Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Yes, I mean you. Your attention, please. This is the PowerShell Podcast. PowerShell Podcast. It's all about PowerShell and the PowerShell community. We have with us today a man who is so much a part of the culture that he scarcely needs an introduction. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. This is my official petition for Kelly to keep... uh... Because normally we cut this out, but this is my official petition for Kelly to keep it because I want everyone to know how filled with hate and judgmental Andrew is. <laughs> yeah, they're seeing the real me today. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm co-host Jordan Hammond with the other co-host as well, in addition, Andrew Poir. Hello. Today we're joined by Corey Knox, who is going to uh, hopefully take my side on Andrew's against Andrew's hate. Hello. <laughs> you know, while we're on the subject of settings <laughs> in VS Code, uh, Corey Knox, is there a way to synchronize your settings between multiple instances of VS Code? For example, let's say you have one primary instance on your main machine of VS Code. You got your settings. But you have another machine. How do you get the settings there? Is there any kind of a plugin that does that or anything like that within VS Code? Um, I, I keep seeing it tell me that I should sign in and use settings sync, but <laughs> maybe I'm taking Jordan's side on this, but I actually don't sign in to, to do the sync. And, uh, I set it up manually on each computer and grumble about it the whole time because, because <laughs> there are a number of settings that I like to have set. <laughs> um, I know there, there used to be a plugin to do it that would store it in, uh, GitHub gist, but I believe it's actually built right into VS Code itself now. Um, yeah, and you can sign in with your either a GitHub or a Microsoft account, if I recall. Yeah, that can be a cool solution. I, I've used it before for syncing my settings. Um, it can be nice, but once you kind of know what you like and what you set, like when you get to Corey's level, you can just set the stuff <laughs> manually if you'd like. But you know, it is a little useful. You know, I'm I'm going to make changes to my terminal, and it's all going to be just <laughs> off. I'm going to have you remote in, and you're going to wish it was back at the default. <laughs> I mean, at least add the little uh, graphics, to, so whenever you type, you know, it looks like things are like exploding or whatever. But <laughs> I um, oh, there is one for VS Code too, isn't? I know in in Hyper, uh, you can there's an extension you can use for Hyper, uh, which is a JavaScript based terminal uh but ps readline at least on mac um like it eats the keystrokes so so you don't actually get exploding letters mm. um but when v- when ps readline is not involved then then you can have your letters explode and and <laughs> so i know in windows terminal uh, justin grody has it to where if he runs something and it's successful it will pull back a gif of uh just a celebration which, and it sets the it does the background image, doesn't it? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's the thing about VS Code. You know, you can use it with the default settings like Jordan does, and you can get stuff done. But also, it is a real freaking tool. It can it is used in many instances, very customizable. If you want to push it to its limits, you can do a lot of very cool, fun things. Um, and productive, but really fun. So sometimes they're productive, but often they're fun. Yeah. See, I like yeah. the idea of the exploding character because it 
matches up well with anything I write. There's a lot of flash, no substance. <laughs> so it's really that's that's that'll be my wheelhouse. It'll be they should actually just name that the, the Jordan. I suppose if we're gonna be professional, should we actually introduce Corey? So <laughs> I said hello. <laughs> so Corey, you came all the way from the internet. You're, you're currently working yes, at uh, Chocolatey as a software developer. As a software engineer. engineer. Yep. And you are heavily involved in the PowerShell Discord. I think you were an admin in there. I am a moderator, moderator. in there, I think. Um, well, that's, that's not good. That's I feel like you should... on what you say today, <laughs> they might re revoke it. <laughs> that was... Uh, what did it, uh, yeah, I the way the way I described it um, the other day uh, to to the moderators, because uh, someone in moderator chat was saying, "Oh, like it's size at the admin spending hours figuring out things that um, only show up in in a moderator chat." And I said, "Well, I'm not I'm not an admin." They responded with admins, moderators, um, helpers is another role whatever. And I said, well, random people we gave imaginary power to. That's basically, basically how I would describe the, uh, how, how can I get this imaginary power? It will go to um, my head, but it's important that I get it. Uh, I mean, if you want it in the same way that I got it, um, I have no idea. <laughs> Just one day, one day I was like, oh, hey, I'm a moderator. <laughs> so you're probably you need pretty to be active, though. Yeah, you need to be active, which is I'm, I'm yeah. definitely lacking in, in that area. Yeah, I'm pretty sure and you, helpful. you need to be active and, and helpful. And um, and now we, we kind of have more of a, a tiered structure. We've got, um, if I recall, it's uh, there's helpers that that have access into the moderator channel. Um and are seen as people in the community that are that are very helpful, um, but they don't necessarily have the the powers on the Discord to delete other people's messages and um and or kick people off the Discord or anything like that. Uh, and then there's moderators, and then above that is the admins that can actually control stuff on the on the Discord. So I imagine now to move up to moderator, you'd have to first get helper and then Hmm. Um, and then prove that you're. So you have to prove that you're helpful enough to become a helper, and then prove that you're you're even more helpful than that to become a moderator. Um, nice. Or so maybe know, admins just assign them at random. I don't know. Well, instead of bettering myself, I'll just. Uh, what if I just bring up a complaint instead? Is that the same thing? It, it, it's pretty pretty similar. Um, the other way I, I imagine you could get moderator or helper is to um, commandeer someone else's account. There we go. That already has that. Then you just skip through all that other stuff, right? But so, so I, I would like to say recently I was in there and I did uh, I posted uh, absolute failure on my side, and then it copied it over in Slack. Like, just sent me another message. Like, just so you remember that time that you posted about your failures here here's a duplicate and that didn't feel good i hurt my feelings <laughs> well did it so, it didn't copy it to you inside it just sent it also to the slack and then my yeah, my slack lord was like you're a failure i'm like oh <laughs> that's that seems harsh 
So I mean, we're talking about the PowerShell Discord, but and you're also mentioning Slack. So I guess uh, where else can people access this chat? Because the way I understand it, there's a, a couple of channels, or at least one channel, the Bridge channel, that bridges the Slack, the Discord, and, and what else is included in that? Um, if I recall correctly, Bridge is a bridge between Slack and Discord and IRC. It may or may not also bridge uh, to over to Matrix, um, but Bridge also might be one that doesn't get Matrix. There's um, Matrix has a few, um, of like it's it's bridged into a few of them, and I can't remember if Bridge was one that it's bridged into or it's explicitly not bridged into. Um, but yeah, so there's the Bridge channel. Um, as you said that that bridges all of them, and then there's other uh, module specific or um, tech, more technology specific ones that don't include IRC, but still typically would do uh, Discord and Slack, and possibly uh, Matrix. Because I, I posted cool. mine in the Utah channel, so I think the individual states will also copy it over to the state channel in Slack. Yeah, yeah. So the the various user groups. Uh, ones if you're uh in or if you post in those like all the user grouped ones are also bridged across and i believe this, there's a sql server one and a few others that also bridge to other slacks so like i believe there's a sql server oriented slack or discord that has like a powershell channel that bridges into the powershell sql server um, and some of them even have Gitter um, bridged in. One of the things I think cool about it is there's different rooms based on popular modules. So like if you're getting into DBA tools and you're loving it and yeah. you have some things to talk about, perfect place to go. Yep. Uh, there's DBA tools. One that I'm in or uh, in somewhat more regularly is the import Excel uh, channel all about the import excel module um, you find that's pretty active um well i mean there was people talking in it yesterday so <laughs> that's it seems um, like a pretty popular module I, I, it's pretty popular the the one thing i i find with uh with a a fair number of the channels is that uh they're they they kind of ebb and flow there'll be like if someone has something to ask about that specific module they'll go there they'll ask it there'll be a whole bunch of activity of people helping them uh and then it it would go dormant for a week two weeks a month um, and then someone also pop up in there with another question um which on the discord side uh the nice thing about discord is that it it keeps that history uh and it's not limited to the last 10,000 messages or whatever Slack is limited to. So uh, as a user, you can go into that channel and you can see what the when the last message was, but also like what people were uh, discussing. So you could potentially find your issue already answered in there. Um, and that's the PowerShell Discord with the infinite yeah. search capability. And I believe yeah. the URL to access that is aka.ms slash ps slack for the slack or aka.ms slash ps discord for the discord. That and those will be the right link and invitation to get access if you haven't already. 
Um, the one thing I want to, I believe it's all lowercase. So I think they're also case sensitive. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's what I typed in. Um, I'll okay. leave it in the uh, show notes as well. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, there's conversations always going on there. It's a great place to ask questions, whether you're a beginner or asking a more advanced question about PowerShell. You can find, at least from what I've seen, a lot of experts oh, yeah. who really <laughs> understand the internals and can provide some great insight. Um, yeah. There are a lot of people in there um, that that help out fairly regularly that, um, my opinion, probably have forgotten more about PowerShell than I will ever know. I feel like that's it's, a different bar for you impressive. than it is for me. <laughs> Which then maybe just just shows how, how much <laughs> higher they are than me, than where I figure I am. Yeah. There's just, there's just sometimes yeah. you're you're talking to people and it's they go over your head so quick and they don't even realize that they've gone into the deep end because it's still shallow for them. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to know out there. Which is good. I can always learn. In the PowerShell Discord, you can even ask these people directly and can. they can give you some great insight. I remember I've asked a few questions in there and been shocked at how helpful it can be when you're banging your head against something it's not quite making sense to just ask for a sanity check. A lot of times it'll take another person, I don't know, six seconds in their brain to be like, oh yeah, I did that exact same thing and found out that my solution was this. You actually should try this. It took them no time. They feel good for helping you and you're no longer beating your head into your keyboard. Yeah. And and often, what, what's often um, discounted about it is that like they, they can see that in, in that six seconds or, or whatever. Probably because they bashed their head against the wall f over that for for a long time. So, um, and so sometimes it's also good to just know that you're not the first person to encounter it. You probably won't be the last person. Um, but knowing that there is like a community that um, it's so helpful too. And I think that it's more than just technical questions. I think that there is a community feel to it. You know, there are familiar faces, there's relationships, and it's been active for so long. Um, seems like, I mean, how long have you been using it? I, I remember uh, BridgeConf was a couple of years ago, and you were quite active <laughs> for quite a while Bri before that. Yeah, Bri BridgeConf was, uh, would have been end of April 2020. Um, oh, when did we? So, because I was in, I was technically in the PowerShell Discord before there was officially a PowerShell Discord. Um, we didn't. Oh, okay, VIP <laughs> status. Okay, we didn't I was know. in it before it was cool. Excuse me, red well, carpet. <laughs> back back in the day, there was the Slack channel, um, and uh, Jekyll, uh Joel Bennett had created a um, created a, a Discord. Um, and I want to say it was the early days of Discord, and but also my my time my time scales for uh, for things are are really wonky. As I found out uh, last year, when I when I left uh, or when I started at at Chocolatey, and we went over the the history of Chocolatey, and we're asked like, when did you start using Chocolatey? And I realized that 
I thought I started using chocolatey several years before chocolatey was ever a thing. So, so my time scales are way off. Um, cause I want to say it was well over 10 years ago that I joined the PowerShell discord, but it's probably more like six or seven, wow. like probably 20, 2015, 2016 timeframe. But they had created a, um, Jekyll had created the discord and was checking out possibly to switch completely from the Slack and just drop Slack entirely. Um, so I had joined in it. We only had like, there was only like 10 channels. No one was really um, saying anything in it. And then, um, and Slack and discord at the time also wasn't where it is now. Um, and so I think we had decided, well, we'll stick with Slack for now. Um, and stayed with Slack. And then at some point, the the bot that was used for bridging IRC uh, also, I think, and I think it's called Matter, Matter Most or Matter something. Mm -hmm. That's all right. Um, but it, it uh, started including the ability to bridge over to Discord. And so um, we looped in the Discord and then, um, and then, a lot of us moved over to Discord because Discord offered a dark mode. <laughs> That's a big selling point I've noticed. <laughs> Slack, Slack technically now offers a, a dark mode too. So, but too late. at the time, it was Slack didn't have any. It had a concept of theming, but the main chat window was all still a light mode type thing. So. Um, a lot of us were like, oh, come over to Discord. We have we have the dark mode. Like and and cookies. Sometimes we would offer cookies. Uh, so the your your big sell point is you would track their uh traffic and where they'd be. Well uh, potentially. No, we we also like we offer we offer treats though we usually a lie though. So uh, we tell them that oh if you if you come over we'll send you a cake and then we get them over and be like, Oh, sorry, we ran out of cake. So but you're here. So you might as well stay. So the PowerShell discord is basically the precursor to GLaDOS. Eh, pretty much. Well, I don't, I don't is know. Is the cake when... real? <laughs> maybe. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a lie. Hmm. Interesting. You'll have to put it in the oven and find out. <laughs> this is a deep conversation. Um, <laughs> But wow, so that's quite a long time to be on the Discord. That's and it's kind of a new thing. Uh, you know, obviously you mentioned Discord was created. Um, how have those relationships you've developed? Have you made any good friendships from there? Anybody you want to uh, shout out? I mean, we mentioned BridgeConf earlier. Could you elaborate on that? Um, what uh, was that? It sounds like that kind of is the culmination of some relationships and friendships. Yeah. So so BridgeConf was a um, was a, a Dilligari and. Uh, Mr. Thomas Rayner, uh, who messaged me one night and said, Hey, how would you like exposure? <laughs> and I said, Oh boy, would I, uh, boy, what a fool. My I favorite was. currency. <laughs> it's way better than money. <laughs> um, uh, as far as, uh, probably some of my best friends have come from discord and I, being honest, I haven't I haven't met most of them in real life. <laughs> Actually, any of them in real life. So <laughs> I was gonna be at I was gonna meet all of you at at Summit, but 
passport office didn't get me my passport until a month afterwards. Dang. So, wow. Um, I, I didn't realize you haven't met anybody in person yet. I've been, I, and you know, I live in the same Canadian province as Adele. And, <laughs> and, and there was, there have been a few times where I've said, Hey, I'm going to be in town. And then as luck would have it, he wasn't in town <laughs> every, every single time. So, um, I see you around so often. I feel like I've seen you. Maybe it, I've just seen you on video chat so often. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like basically when, when we're doing research, we got it pulled in summit videos that said you presented. So if you weren't there, I'm confused about what's happening I, here. I presented at Summit 2022. Oh, okay. Uh, and was going to present in person, but my passport, which is right here, didn't show up until after summit <laughs> um and and passport wanted like they, they said oh you can get your passport if you if you submit a new application and pay like four hundred dollars to have it expedited and then hopefully you can pick it up on your way through town down to the u.s border on sunday and i was just like oh that's a big gamble <laughs> like i'm not i'm not taking that gamble <laughs> I've never um, had a passport because I'm pretty sure the country just wants to get rid of me. So like, oh yeah, here you go. Then once I'm there, it's like, I can close it. <laughs> They'll revoke your passport as soon as you leave the country. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that's so what why were your talks on. Uh, I did a talk on uh, creating graphical interfaces uh, with PowerShell natively with PowerShell, not using um, or. I say creating graphical interfaces. It, technically, it was uh, writing, creating scripts that your users will actually use and uh, using the graphical interface uh, features of Windows PowerShell uh, to allow you to, to basically quickly create ways that like um, to interact with your user that they don't get intimidated by. Because I know a lot of um, a lot of the users that I worked with, especially when they were like if they were on the service desk, uh, we're not huge fans of a terminal, um, so we use I use show command to to prompt them with, um, hey, type some stuff in here, um, and then the other one was on using Git work tree, um, which is a amazingly powerful feature of Git that allows you to um, have multiple work trees. Um, multiple directories that your Git repository is in, and each each um, directory is a different a different branch checked out to it, uh, without having to fully clone down another copy of your repository. Because that's kind of what I did before I before I learned about Git work tree. I would just open up a new new directory. I'd say Git clone, and then I download two hundred megs of of a repository when I only needed like, I don't know, two megs. <laughs> Interesting. So you yeah. seem to know a thing or two about Git. Is that your forte a little bit? <laughs> um, a little bit. I, <laughs> I have cer certainly in the, in the last year or two, I've learned a lot more about Git than I ever uh, wanted to. And I have, I have strong opinions about how wonderful and terrible it is, but also 
everything else that I used before it was even more terrible. So it's got that going talk, for it. We talked about heads and keyboards earlier today. It sounds like you may have learned <laughs> a thing or two about get the uh, the old fashioned way. Yeah, yeah. There's um, <laughs> and gets gets really good about uh, or can often be good about protecting you from yourself. So if you there are a lot of git commands that can can do a lot of damage but also um you can you can just revert reverse pretty much most git commands uh it's when you when you do stuff like i did where i had i had a whole bunch of stashes one time um and a stash is just kind of a temporary commit off to the side um of your files so you can pull them back whenever you want them and I was I was running into an issue with a Git client I was using. I was like, "Oh, I know how to fix this. I'll just I'll I'll delete this directory and I'll reclone the directory because everything's up in GitHub." And then I did that and realized, "Oh, well, there go all my stashes because <laughs> these stashes are not there." Um, and so, um, unfortunately, Git wasn't able to help me with that because I left Git and went to the file system and just deleted the whole directory. Uh, but as long as you don't delete the .git directory, you can pretty much get most things back that you've done with Git. Awesome. I know that some of our audience aren't as familiar with Git and are just kind of taking the first steps into interacting with like GitHub projects and you know that kind of thing. How do you recommend people get started um, using Git if they're using PowerShell stuff? Um, at least public projects. Maybe they haven't started using it for their own, but how would you kind of attack that? Um, so first, I'd install uh, Git. Uh, so you do Choco Git or Choco install Git because uh, there's a chocolatey package for it, and we all have chocolatey installed, of course. Uh, shame, shameless plug for cho- chocolatey. Um. <laughs> you can go ask for that raise. <laughs> <laughs> um so so you, so once it, once git git is installed um uh, and then you would use uh if you're pulling down from like a github repository um actually let me pull one up to, so so I'm not just completely winging it here um on on the github repository page you can actually if you go to there's a code button at the top and then you can choose HTTPS, SSH, or GitHub CLI. Um, and if you just grab HTTPS and hit the little copy button, then in your PowerShell terminal, you can do a git, uh, git space clone space, and then paste in that, that URL that it gave you. And that will clone down the repository onto your, uh, onto your computer into a new directory that's named the same as your Git repository, the Git repository that you cloned. Um, and then you would CD into that repository um, and work on whatever you want to work on in it. Uh, and then when you're ready, you would use the Git, uh, Git add to add the files that you changed and then Git commit to commit the files into your repository. Cool. So when we do that initial Git clone and we get a copy of all the files, because it's a repository, I guess, does that mean we get copies of other branches too? Um, yes. 
Uh, any and, other branches that are on that remote repository, um, you'll mm-hmm. they'll they'll. I'm trying to remember if Git, I Git will bring them down, uh, but it won't necessarily. I think it does. It brings them down, and then you can once they're down, you can check out. Uh, use the Git checkout or Git switch command to switch over uh, to that, and then assuming it's only one on one, like there's only one name to that, um, which if you've only cloned one repository, then there will only be one. It will it will check it out and automatically set it so that it tracks uh, differences between your the remote, which is on GitHub or GitLab or Bitbucket or what have you, uh, and your local one. And that way, uh, Git status can then also tell you if there are changes between them. And I think that that would be a good plug for our uh, posh Git that we mentioned earlier. It, yes. Be useful here. Yes, po- posh Git is, is immensely useful in the in the PowerShell terminal. Uh, you can just install dash module uh, space posh dash Git, and then once it's installed, you can import module posh dash Git. And uh, if you haven't customized your prompt, and this is getting back to to where. Uh, if you're like Jordan and myself and haven't customized your prompt, you will then automatically get the posh git prompt, which is basically a standard prompt plus get uh, get information on it if if you're in a git repository. And that git information will tell you uh, what branch you're on, if it's tracking a remote, uh, like it, so if it's basically tracking, it's it's linked up to a, a remote branch. Um, and and can like you can if you tell it to get pushed, then it will push it to that branch. Um, and then any of the files uh, that have changed. Uh, and also, if you're in the middle of a git rebase or a git uh, bisect, it will also tell you uh, tell you that information as well. Cool. So it sounds like, Whenever you do a Git clone, the repository kind of contains information about where this all came from. So if in the future there's mm-hmm. updates, you can, from Git, call the remote URL to get the updates kind of thing. Um, yeah. And there's also, it sounds like some other connections to like maybe upstream branches and stuff like that contained within the Git. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if you well, would, you were to, um, well, like once you've cloned it, and so say say you've cloned it onto your computer and I've made a change on GitHub. Um, now, if you want to get my change into yours, you, you would do a, uh, in my opinion, you would do a git fetch, uh, which will fetch from the remote and ask it for any changes. And then posh git would then tell you that, hey, you're one behind the remote. Uh, and then at that point, you would do, um, you can do a git, you run git rebase uh, remote slash and the name of your branch, which will then uh, take take any changes that are on that remote one, put them onto your local one, and then reapply any changes that you happen to have made locally that you hadn't pushed up. Um, the, you can technically also git pull, uh, but git pull can do some fun fun stuff if um, if you're not careful with it. So. Um, I I have been instructed that Git pull doesn't exist <laughs> and should not be should not be used. So I <laughs> I I go out of my way to not use Git pull. 
When you're doing interesting rebase, if it has conflicts with what you've been working on, do you choose which one you want to have take precedence, or is that one where it just give precedence to the one you're rebasing from since that's the live version? Um, if if there are conflicts that Git can't resolve for you, it will stop the rebase and it will um, it will flag the the files uh, that you have to go in and and uh, resolve the conflict yourself. And then when you go into those or into those files, uh, it will the the file will have um, there's notation that it uses that's I think it's a row of uh, less than symbols. Uh, a change a row of equals symbols and then the other uh the other lines from from your local change and then a row of greater than symbols um and so the idea is that you would then go into find find those spots in the files and decide what that section of code should look like whether whether you take in uh what was in the repository whether you take in what's local or whether you kind of mash them together and make your own. Um, but it's usually pretty, as long as, as long as the changes aren't happening on the same file around the same uh, lines, it's usually pretty good about, uh, about not having conflicts. Now, those are all command line utilities. Are there any worthwhile GUI interfaces to kind of work around um, with Git. I know that VS Code has some kind of built-in stuff, but what's your take yeah. on that? Um, I I tend to lean towards what one I really like. If you're if you're looking for open source, uh, or maybe not not necessarily open source, but free to use, uh, is called Git Extensions. It's a Windows only. Um, which is about my biggest complaint about it is that it is Windows only because uh, I work on a Mac and and a window have a Windows VM, uh, so I can only have it in in one place. Uh, but uh, it's it it's a pretty it's a pretty good one. It's not as flashy as some of the other ones, uh, but it it kind of has most features of Git built into it. Uh, if you're looking, if you're only working with open source uh, and or you're willing to pay, uh, Git Kraken is another one. Um, and I've been using Git Kraken for uh, several months now, uh, partly because they they own uh, a tool called GitLens, uh, which is a, an extension for VS Code um, that is also another great uh great option and they get lens plus pro i think is what they call it uh offers the ability to use work trees from a graphical interface inside of uh inside of visual studio code um but git kraken is a is a pretty good one uh that i found at, at least for my use cases and it is cross-platform so it works and looks the same on Mac as it does on Windows. Um, the only drawback that I've run into with it on Mac was that I set my default uh, my default shell to be PowerShell, and then uh, Git Kraken didn't work for some things. But when I switched my default shell back to the built-in ZSH, then 
get cra- everything works and get cracking. So interesting. No mention of GitHub Desktop. Nope. I guess that's not um, so much Git specific. It's more like GitHub. I guess. Yeah, it is GitHub specific. Uh, is GitHub specific? I used it uh, several years ago. Um, uh, and I imagine like for for what it does for working with GitHub, I imagine it's great. But uh, the uh, one of the main reasons that I don't use it is that my work is split between GitHub and GitLab. Um, and so I tend to look for like I want to look for a tool that works with both of them. Um, and even um, even uh, at a former employer, we we used an internal uh, GitLab um, uh, GitLab uh, community edition, I think they call it. Uh, it's basically just an internal instance of GitLab um, that you run on your own internal servers. So, uh, so it, even back then, I needed something that worked with both GitHub and uh, and GitLab because a lot of the stuff that I did outside of work was GitHub and at work was GitLab. So, cool. Um, Whenever I got started, I used it just honestly the built-in stuff to GitHub for a lot of the simple things like getting updates or whatever for a repository mm-hmm. that I had open. Um, but I found that taking the step to using Git can often be a little daunting for people because when you're trying to do Git stuff, you're usually <laughs> actually trying to solve another problem. And Git is like part of that so you have to like learn how to interface it while really your goal is to do something else so i think it can be useful for git and when learning it to take a dedicated approach like hey i'm going to learn it maybe outside of solving this immediate fire yeah um, and then kind of come back to it definitely and um i'm big on the camp of and and it seems a lot of people that that use git and maybe it's just because we were all taught this way uh, with Git, the best option is to start with the uh, command line interface, like Git.exe itself, uh, and learn learn the commands and learn how to do things there before going to a graphical interface. Because gra- graphical interfaces are great, but inevitably you're going to run into something, and you're going to have to go to the uh, command line to fix it, uh, and to know. So to know what the graphical interface likely did um, is is like the biggest step to getting to actually fixing what the command or what the graphical interface um, what what it potentially broke because uh, if you have no idea what commands it ran then um, then you could be could be up a creek. Um, yeah, reminds me. Do you uh, recognize recommend that website dangitgit.com? There's another name for it, but the, the website without swear names <laughs> is dangitgit.com. Um I want to do I have is it, so so to answer the question, yes. Uh so much so that I have a PowerShell script that I haven't shared with anyone. Um Ooh, exclusive where, where, where could you store up everyone? something like that? <laughs> I I I have no idea uh, if anyone has any suggestions, um, but basically I I put in uh, like I I can type 
uh, oh, it's git.ps1 um, or something like that. Uh, and then it it says, hey, uh, pick a git scenario. And, and it's got a numbered list of one through nine that says, oh, no, I did something terribly wrong. Please tell me git has a magic time machine. And that's option one. So if I hit one and hit enter, uh, it will it then actually automatically takes me uh, to a web page that tells me, hey, here's how you would uh, fix that. Uh, and the magic time machine is git ref log. And it lists everything you've done in git across all the branches. Uh, and then you just find the one before what, whatever you broke and choose a git reset. Uh, and it kind of just tells you how to do it. Um, Very cool. That sounds useful. I'm trying to sounds remember like a if cool I hard-coded it or... Okay. And the nice thing about it, actually, it is um, I didn't hard-code all of those options. So the script, as long as the website doesn't change itself, that script will always be up to date. Interesting. Um, I should probably I should probably put it somewhere that I can share it with others and and maybe I, it'd be really good if there was some sort of like gallery where I could put this sort of thing. I can't think gallery. of anything on top of my head though. Or a hub. <laughs> yeah. Some popular ones on the internet we could use like GitHub. Oh, there's a uh, Grubhub. Maybe I could order hey. food with it. Grubhub, Gravy Hub, if you really like gravy. Just kidding. It may not exist yet. That could be our PowerShell business. <laughs> <laughs> is that you attempting to trademark it live? Like trying to know this is gold. That's my idea. You heard it here. It came from my brain. So I, I do like no. to look at uh, existing repos in there. And you had uh -oh. one that caught my eye. Uh, Toastmasters timer. Because I, I spent time at Toastmasters and I oh, love geez. it. Uh, so <laughs> did I actually put that one? Well, Wait. there's no code in there, though. I, I went in there and. Okay. There's no code yet. So I was excited, but now I'm disappointed. So what am, what am I missing here? Uh, Time doesn't exist. I mean, my speeches do feel like they go on forever. So let me see timers. about that. Um, Toastmasters timer. So are, oh. are you a member of Toastmasters? I am a member of Toastmasters. The first couple of times I went, I wasn't sure if it was helpful, but... I started getting comments on like webcasts that I do that everything was flowing better. So even if you don't see the instant results, the results are there and it's just, it's, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's worth your time. If you, if you, uh, if you talk a lot, which, which I do. Yeah. So you're shilling for them now for Toastmasters. Absolutely. So cool. I mean, it, uh, respectable. I might actually check it out. So if it's if, a real recommendation, if, if part of, uh, your, wariness about giving a talk or, or presenting PowerShell is the talking in front of people, Toastmasters will fix it. Yeah. And um, my local Toastmasters, at least, like it's been really good about uh, one of the biggest things for me is the is the feedback and not just feedback because I like I've I've got the feedback forms from, from the talks I gave at Summit. But uh, the, di the difference in in the feedback is, is that Toastmasters, you just gave the talk like maybe five minutes earlier and now someone's giving you feedback on it. So it's fresh in your memory and they give you feedback on all aspects of the, of the talk. Uh, I've only been there really since uh, 2021, 
I guess. So about a coming up on a year, uh, and we so we've been mostly doing it over Zoom. And so lo, like one of the things has been uh, we've been evaluating each other on how it like interacting with Zoom and. Uh, I, I've been absolutely terrible at it today, but like looking at the camera. <laughs> I'm, I'm not at terrible the at it. You, you'll you're get saying... no judgment here. Like, oh yeah, we're on camera. <laughs> right. But, but like, like stuff about like um, virtual attendance and stuff. Do you have and... someone that counts your filler words and lets you know how many you used? Because that, that was always shame and yep. I, 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 you call it shame inducing. I win the award virtually every week. There you go. First place. I like it. First place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only weeks that I don't win it are when I am the uh, counter, uh, in which case I give myself honorable mention because I I know that I did it, but not <laughs> I didn't keep track of how many times I I say ums and ahs. So, so what you do um, is, as you count it, just say it under your breath. And, oh, um, uh, that way you're saying it too, and then you get the sum total. <laughs> I mean, possibly, uh, but <laughs> but to 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 kind of drag this back to uh, what what are you missing from this repository that I created and put absolutely nothing into, assuming that it matches up with the Toastmasters directory that's on my local computer, that is not actually a Git repository. Uh, this was a PowerShell script that I wrote. Um, because we were meeting virtually, I was using OBS uh, to create a background. And I did, um, uh, one night I did the timer. Uh, so I had it, I have time.ps1 that starts a start uh, stopwatch uh, .NET class. And then it writes the current time into timer.txt. And I told OBS to load that timer.txt and put it above my head. Uh, and then I told it, I also, I had it blur out or remove everything. And then I had a background image that was either uh, green, yellow, or red, because that's what the, one of the, the timers tasks when they're timing things, when you get to certain points uh, in, in person, you would hold up like a yellow or a red or white card. Or... See, this is why I need Toastmasters so I can talk <laughs> more gooder. Like, uh, but you would hold up a green card. So say we're doing table topics at one minute 30. No, at one minute, you hold up a green card. At one minute 30, you hold up a yellow card. And then at two minutes, you hold up a red card. And then start clapping at two minutes and 10 is what I've been told. But we never did that because we're all too polite. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a common thing. Like you're supposed to. I, well, I yeah. don't know. I have, I have now a, a, you know, a use case of two, whereas you and mine, we didn't uh, clap at ours either. What I want is I want to become the person that gives the topic because I would get, I'd just be vicious. I'd give topics that like near and dear to my heart that no one else cares about. It's like, what What do you yeah, think I, about the, inc or the decrease in rebounds per minute since the seventies in the oh, NBA? <laughs> I just imagine the two of you sitting there and just at two minutes and 10 seconds, you just start slow clapping. <laughs> Bravo. They're still talking. It's just you. Great. <laughs> Well, on your uh, basically, yeah. So the reason for Thanks, that is, God. is you are given a two-minute timer to give a speech, and if you're going over, you're technically outside the rules. So it's, right. it's no, it makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Uh, just a two-person dynamic. Is I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the um, so so the the PowerShell script um, it starts a start stopwatch, 
And every second, it writes that timeout to a file. Actually, technically, every half second, it writes the timeout to a file. Um, and so it, it displays the time. But then when you're done uh, and you hit Control-C on it, it actually, because you call the part that I forgot was that you call the function with an with a name. So so I'd say like timer Jordan, and then when I'm done, I hit Control C, and it dumps out to another file. It says uh, it says Jordan colon, and then how long that uh, that talk was. So because at the end of at the end of a, a Toastmasters meeting, um, or at the end of table topics, you as the timer you go through and say, here's how, how long everyone spoke for. Um, so I just did it to, it create, it tracks how long they're speaking for and it puts it, who it was into a file. So I can just, I load up the file and I say, oh, Jordan was two minutes and five seconds. Andrew was one minute and 45 seconds. Um, you PowerShell all the things. <laughs> yeah, pr pretty much. Uh, and then I found a, I found a website that does, doesn't do the doesn't do the recording who it was and stuff, but it does the timer portion of it um, and changes the color automatically. So I just started using that instead. But um, nice. I should throw this code actually into the repository that I created. <laughs> yeah, I, I do it because yeah. But honestly, I didn't expect it to be that much in Toastmasters, but I love Toastmasters. I think. That I, I don't know. I probably should have brought it before. We're always talking about if, if uh, you want to give a presentation at Summit, you should. If if mm -hmm. the part you're nervous about is the talking, Toastmasters is a fantastic solution for that. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, one of the things that that, that uh, they'll say, uh, like at our local one, as well as the um, uh, other places I've seen it, uh, really, that's where you want to go to. Um, like like to when to met like to mess up your your speech that that's where you want it is is in a group that is um, overwhelmingly supportive and can help you um, on those various things. There's so a like, PowerShell community of public speaking. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so that sounds like a pretty cool use of of PowerShell. Um, have an issue, have a list of steps that you want to do, bada boom, just write write it out. Now, I'm I'm gonna ask, have you pushed the limits of PowerShell or or done a project with PowerShell where you're like, why have I started doing this? What like what is the most absurd, outrageous thing you found yourself working on? Um the less work related, the better. <laughs> the, the less work related. Um for years I've gone down the like, if the question is, can PowerShell do blank? Uh, and I believe I heard Jordan recently talking about, the answer is always and unequivocally yes. Now, should PowerShell do blank? No one asked <laughs> or, that. Or how long will it take to do for PowerShell to do blank? Um, I have I've used it to, so you said not work-related, but... That's where I did all the weird stuff. Well, then let's drop like, it. Let's go for it. Like, Remove that. Like, like there's there's so much out in the world that, uh, and past me would be absolutely surprised at the number of unsupported 
um, scenarios that drive modern businesses. Um, and like, and that, now that I'm thinking of it, the big, the, the one that I'm thinking of, it's not, te- it wasn't technically unsupported, but, um, but like, I know like at a, at a former job, we, there was, there was so much stuff that it's like, I, well, we, we imaged, um, so first generation surfaces, I think we imaged first generation surfaces, uh, from SCCM over wi-fi so windows pe doesn't support wi-fi (laughs) but (laughs) you could get it working and that is an unsupported scenario (laughs) um so there's a like a lot of things out there like that um but what the one kind of i used powershell to uh and and talking about it now it, it sounds it sounds simple and and really it's like that's not really pushing boundaries but i used it to automate generating a report from a, one of the cisco phone products it was either unity that which is the voicemail or uh unified call manager which is the actual um phone system itself and i for some reason i'm thinking it was unity i used powershell to automate generating the report and downloading the report, which is a which is a CSV file, and then going through that CSV file that is not actually a CSV file, and looking at each uh, each column to figure out which uh, how I needed to interpret it, because the CSV file, what as I said, it wasn't a CSV file. It, it was basically an Excel file that um, each page of 20 or 30 results was in a different location, like column wise. So like if column, if the, if the seventh column contained a value, then, then this is, this is what the columns look like. If it didn't contain a value, then you needed to look at column five. Um, But so the, the pushing the boundaries part wasn't so much the CSV handling. It was actually the getting and downloading the CSV uh, because I could, you couldn't just invoke web request, and like that's why I started out saying it doesn't sound like it's pushing any boundaries because you can just invoke web request to download a file, but you couldn't with Unity. You had to, I had to, I want to say I was using COM uh, interfaces to start up Internet Explorer, tell Internet Explorer to go to the site, tell it to log into the site and navigate around the site using using com and even and then once you told it to download the file i had to step out of the com and um and directly control keyboard and mouse input um and to tell it to okay so i've told you to download the file now i need you to actually save the file so i need to hit hit the enter key um and then hope that it's saved to the right place because this one sounds like there's just there's no consistent like every every variable is constantly shifting which makes automating it very (laughs) difficult you need need something static yeah and then uh it wasn't until years later that i found um there was technically an api that you could use to get out the same information um 
but it also the Cisco APIs don't don't work don't don't work with PowerShell very well. Um, I did end up doing some other some stuff with the API. I never did the Unity side of it, which is the unfortunately I started down the Unity side and then realized what a what a pain it was that it was just easier to ask it for a CSV and then do stuff on the CSV. Is nice. Is yeah. Now I'm curious, is that fun. something import Excel could help with now? If like uh, as far as cleaning it up, because it's entirely possible, and to be fair, probably likely that it could. Um, because the the biggest thing wasn't. Oh no, I did. I think I did use import it or, um, I I did use import CSV. Um, but I had to give it just headers that were like H1 through H30. Um, and then I had, because I couldn't just say, oh, this is the username, because the username could be in one of three different columns. Like, um, I, I got to be honest, this is giving me anxiety. Like, it feels like there's <laughs> a lot of shifting things that are out of your control. Yeah. And I feel like it. this was like PowerShell three or four days, which which also... Complicated things because we didn't have. Well, I guess in three and four we kind of had a lot of what we have today. PowerShell two was a giant leap, and then PowerShell three was the next big one. And then, honestly, it's been mostly it's been performance improvements mostly since then. I think. Well, I think moving to dot core. Well, dot core is uh... <laughs> that was that was a huge. Side, we'll call it a sideways step because there was <laughs> there was big leaps forward, some leaps back, and it was more side. But then once we got to seven, where where we're close, where I believe we're as close to feature parity as we're gonna gonna get. The stuff that still requires Windows PowerShell is never coming to core. I think like the WMI commandlets and the um, one that surprised me was Azure AD. Uh, using the .NET Core, there was a authentication issue, like it couldn't. And that that shocks me because Azure feels like if anyone's going to work with the latest version, it's going to be anything yeah. in Azure. But so that that one caught me off guard. But let's let's move to the graph now, hasn't it? That was one yeah, of the ones yeah, that they moved. The, yeah. The, oh man, graph is amazing <laughs> and frustrating. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned BridgeConf. What would it take for you to do BridgeConf two? <laughs> um, what would it take to do BridgeConf two? BridgeConf feels like it feels like a lightning in a bottle scenario. It feels like we 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 caught on to something right at the beginning of um the world just utterly collapsing <laughs> and um and there was a like a lot of a lot of people wanted a uh, in particular because that's when we were i say we like i was actually going to be there but that's when a lot of people were going to be at summit um and so there was a lot of people that wanted the the content wanted had presentations that they wanted to present as well and um, and there wasn't really anyone, 
to my knowledge, mo- like people hadn't really done uh, done the uh, like live uh, live streamed event. Um, certainly not uh, not in the PowerShell community, and so so we kind of captured that at that moment. Uh, we we have talked a few times about about the potential to take it um, and do a second one, but it's never really. I don't know that we could get we we could do it like like as well as we did. So so to do it to do a BridgeConf to uh, uh, Thomas Rayner and Adila and myself have like we've discussed it we've tossed around the idea a few times. I I certainly don't think we would get the same um, the same turnout that we did. Uh, and and I mean like really it was it was a month between when we said, Hey, we, we should do this. And when we, when we did it, um, I don't know. I don't know that we could one get that many speakers within a month. And two, um, as I said, the, the, uh, the turnout, um, but, but, but as for what it would take me for me to do it again, stickers, (laughs) Okay, because okay. the other issues you listed, I mean, we have some some solutions for those. Not <laughs> enough people attending, we can get you some. Not enough speakers, <laughs> we talk to people every week. <laughs> it feels like one of the things is there's always people looking for more PowerShell kind. I think I think the interest would be there. I think you're right. The big the big uh, hurdle is getting enough getting enough speakers within a short turnaround. I guess it, we're yeah, only assuming it has them. to be a short turnaround again. Well. Okay. And and I guess I guess there's the like like there's so many so many questions around how you like if you're going to do it, are you going to pre-record sessions? Are they going to be live streamed? Uh, if they're going to be live streamed, are you doing like we only did one track? I've seen I've seen a few other ones that try to do like two or three tracks, um, and and do it live streamed, uh, which I'm not sure how well they, um how well they turned out because like yeah as a, for us we we did one track uh which made it super easy it's here you go to twitch and this is what it is um and there's definitely i feel like I, I feel like i typed up a blog post on it and then didn't actually finish up the blog post which is which is about half of what my blog is is uh is not unfinished blog posts, but uh, I I had kind of covered stuff we had done and stuff that I would have liked to do better, um, and then partly with the idea that oh we'll we'll do this again in six months and then <laughs> two and a half I years later, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't mean to put you all under the the pressure here, but it would be interesting to see one day. Um, and even on the, the smaller end, I think there might be space for more of a community lunchtime, casual type engagement where it doesn't have to be super structured or organized, but maybe like right. a space for that, for more voice and uh, sharing screen and that type of thing. Yeah. One thing that I, I um, enjoyed when they were doing it uh, was the uh, PowerShell, is it Power Hour, did they call it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was um, awesome! With Mikey Lombardi and a Warren Frame, I believe we're doing it. 
I feel like there was a third person involved and I'm forgetting their name. And, and if there was, I deeply apologize. And if there wasn't, well, good. I remembered two names, but, um, but like the, cause they, they did, they were basically lightning talks. They did and one hour and they did like six talks in it. Um, and I don't know that, but, but like something like a lunchtime, even if you only have like two or three people that, uh, each have like a 10 minute segment and then 10, 10 minutes to, to, um, just chat, um, in a, in a zoom style, um, meeting because i think that was one of the one of the things for me uh, that would have would have made that that power hour better is that like so you have a you, you have a demo and then then you have like a voice chat conversation like where where the audience can ask questions as opposed to just asking them in chat where um where they have to like um so read it to, you have to read it and yeah. Yeah. I always like the lightning demo summit just because it's less structured, but just people, instead of having a specific theme, they just go up and say, here's something cool I worked on. So I think having that just semi-regular would be actually pretty, mm-hmm. pretty neat to see. But once again, it's, it's easy to throw it out there, but the logistics of putting it all it's, together and hosting place, it's, there's a lot that goes into it that's not seen for the result. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the... Just trying to light some fires, you know, throw some <laughs> ideas out there. Maybe someone listening sparks on with them. Also, selfishly, I, I would love to chat with more people um, in the PowerShell community and just see what's up in a casual conversation. Like, I know that the Microsoft team does the monthly um, community, the call, community call, which is cool, but it's less of a chill atmosphere. It's more like a presentation. Yeah, you're allowed to talk and it, it there is feedback encouraged, but it's I think they've actually talked about maybe doing lightning demos again. But anyways, it's a bit more structured than just a casual, like, hey, mm-hmm. people in the community talking, hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun to see more and more people get engaged in the community. And we're definitely trying to do what we can to encourage that and participate in that when we can. The community is always hungry for more content. It's just... I don't know. I, I was, oh. I was, uh, not, now that I'm more on the, the producing it side, knowing what goes into it to see the end result is that's not always, <laughs> there's so much. And I, and I put it all on Andrew. I don't even do anything. <laughs> this is still but exhausting. You, you, see, you, you see Andrew do the work. And... Yeah. I watch what he does and I'm exhausted just watching him. It is surprising how many, how much goes into just doing a weekly podcast. Like it is, it is surprising to me every week. I'm notoriously bad at estimating how much work something will take. Like, you know, in my mind, everything's kind of sort of easier than it really is in reality. I'm aware of it, but <laughs> uh, yeah, like with this podcast, I'm. And we're not even doing the editing. Like, we have a, we have a third guy no. for that, and that's a that's a whole other undertaking. <laughs> yeah, if we were to do the editing ourselves, I don't think we could one maintain the quality, or two maintain it. Just how many efforts. How much? How many hours can you put into one thing? Kind of a week. It can yeah. can be challenging. Yeah. Gotta tell you what. Um, this past week's been, wouldn't say a bad week, but just like a bit of a, an off week. And having this podcast to look forward to, and having the one we recorded last week go out, is just such a, a positive part of my life. And I'm very thankful to uh, 
our audience for listening and, and kind of creating this awesome thing that we have going on here and to the community at large for being so awesome and giving us so much stuff to talk about and to Corey for joining us and sharing so much and for being so active for so many years in the community. Um, and it's just, it's, it's very cool to see. Uh, this is more than just like a service level PowerShell language kind of thing. You know, when you have relationships that you've built with people for that long and where you've worked on projects together and you've solved issues together, it really is something special in my opinion. Um, and it adds kind of like an enrichment to this thing that we do for work. And yeah, it kind of is related to how we get paid, but it also can be like a really cool source of more than just that, whether that be relationships, projects, learning, good times, whatever it is. Um, it's cool, this whole PowerShell thing. So I think we had a a user recommend a new a new segment that we're gonna we're gonna try out. We're 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 gonna use Corey as, as the test case. So if this doesn't go well, Corey. No pressure, but no pressure. Okay. But going forward depends on how you handle this. Yeah. Shout out to Drew McClellan for the suggestion. He suggests we have a couple of kind of consistent questions we ask each person just so we can have something to kind of talk about, have a gauge on, and get a little bit of a better understanding of our beloved guests, like you, Corey. <laughs> so for the first question, Corey Knox, what is one time something went wrong while on the job and how did you handle it? The more catastrophic, the better. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the the catastrophic things that I've done. I was going to say this um, assumes Corey has made a mistake, and after talking to him, oh. I'm not convinced that happens. <laughs> Cause, how cause does he you know so much about all these Git commands? <laughs> <laughs> well, so 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 we're definitely talking about stuff I've done, not stuff that has happened while I'm at work. Because because like I haven't crippled an entire network, but I've been wow. there when someone did. Um, we, so we were using in, in one instance, and after the fact, it doesn't sound like it doesn't seem as catastrophic. We were using SCCM, um, or I think it was called SCCM at the time. It was 2000, SCCM 2007 we were using. Um, this was in probably late 2012, early, no, it was early 2013. Because of who was there, so it was it was it was sometime in 2013, and I was I was trying to deploy a computer, and um, in in our environment, in order to do the deployment, you had to like we didn't have the ability to uh, deploy operating systems to computers that already existed, so you had to delete the computer, and then you had to pixie boot it. Um, or I think we might have even still been on USB boot media at the time. Um, and I had I had minimized, like shrunk the sidebar on um, on the SC, in the SCCM console. And so to delete a to delete a, a system, you you have to click on it and then click delete, or you can right. I, I can't remember if you were able to right click, but I certainly didn't right click. I went and I clicked delete. Now I had minimized the sidebar to the point that I only had icons in SCCM 2007, and I believe it went away in 2012. There were two delete options. <laughs> um, 
And coincidentally, their icons were very similar and they were right beside each other. <laughs> and I click, I'm pretty sure it was called delete special. And then it prompts you and says, you've said to delete special. And what this is going to do is delete everything that's in this collection that you have open. And I had all systems collection open. Now, I assumed it was the normal normal prompt that said, hey, you're going to delete this this object. Do you want to delete it? And I said, yes. Uh, and then five minutes later, my coworker sitting beside me says, why are there a lot less computers in SCCM? And we look, and sure enough, there was less. And we refresh, and there's less. And then I'll look again, and I'm like, oh, uh, you know that delete special that you always said don't do, don't click? I clicked it. <laughs> um, so then, so so then, then it's like, okay, so how do we get them all back in? And there's a couple ways we could have done it. We could have just let them all come back in on their own because they'd all report back into SCCM and SCCM would populate them. But then we'd have to put them all back into manual groups and stuff that we had. And then we said, well, do we have backups? So we had to call up the server team and say, hey, I. What backups do we have for the SCCM server? Now, the SCCM server was not deemed a production critical um, server. Like it was, our team used it, and that was about it. Um, so, so its backups were not as regular as the, like, say, the sales database and that sort of thing. Uh, but we had a backup uh, that was, I think, two or three hours earlier. We're like, okay, can we restore to that, please? <laughs> And so that that's when we learned how to restore, um, and that and that the restore would actually work. Um, and <laughs> I mean, it's it's catastrophic in the sense that we almost like I deleted all of the computers in the SCCM, but also SCCM wasn't a production critical for us, so it wasn't. But for our team, it would have been like it would have been at least a couple of days if the re if the restore wasn't an option before so, we could get so back to it. So that's one of those. I think that's absolutely catastrophic. It's just you were fortunate to have <laughs> yeah. just the backup at just the right time. So that's that's fantastic news because but I don't know. That, that sounds like it could be a, a rough one. You need you need your uh, your SCCM running. Yeah. Well, and 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 it wasn't like and the, at the same place, one of the one of the senior server admins um, deleted the entire DNS forest um, accidentally one day, which was that that's more catastrophic. But <laughs> um, that again showed us that. Not only are backups important, but we had ours were working. So, so it wasn't it wasn't a mistake. You were uh, testing your backup solution. <laughs> well, well, of course, I like it. Um, Hopefully, you documented it as well. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> well, and, sure. and like really, the the important, I, I think the the important thing that I've learned from from when I've had these issues and when others have had the the, the issues is just um, own up to it immediately because you're human, you made a mistake. Um, and then everyone can work on fixing what the issue is, as opposed to everyone spending the time to try and figure out what happened. Because you're going to figure out what happened <laughs> either way. It's just, if you come clean, you figure it out faster. Oh, definitely. Honesty is very important. 
in in pretty much every facet but yeah yeah and a work context when mistakes are involved definitely going to want to own up to that sooner than later um and hopefully yeah. you work at a place where owning up to things doesn't feel like the end of the world <laughs> and you've seen other people do it before and it's kind of like yeah. a safe culture to do that otherwise it's it's a painful pill to swallow. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, in the in the in the one of the the scenario I wasn't involved in, but I saw my friend um, crippled the the network, um, and he totally thought he was being fired. Like, um, like it like we're several hundred locations across Canada, and none of them could talk to anyone because our data center just went completely offline. Um, Coincidentally, we had people in the building at the like in the data center at the time doing other work, but um, but he he was dead set that he was going to be fired because of it, and, and I pointed out to him after the fact that, that not only not only did he own up to it immediately, but he was literally following the change like line by line, the change um, the approved change request, um, <laughs> and it's just no one thought that. Um, that we would not have in this case he he turned on bridging between two network interfaces that were connected to two different switches but we're still um, and they didn't have spanning tree protocol turned on in the data center because why would you turn on spanning tree protocol on ten thousand dollar routers and so that's uh with the honesty how important it is if you're up front and take ownership of your mistake yeah. There, there's a chance you'll get fired if you try to hide from it. It's guaranteed you'll be fired. Yeah, yeah, and and in the case that I mentioned of where he took down the the network one, like if if he hadn't said, "Oh, hey, I just did this," instead of it being a 15 minute outage, it would have been hours of them trying to figure out why the like why it suddenly went off. When when you can say, "Hey, I just did this," um, and <laughs> Then, oh yeah, so one of the guy, one of the guys that happened to be in the data center went over, unplugged the cable, and everything just kind of came back up. Because right, well, one question, and I can say you're, you're killing it, Corey. <laughs> you're crushing it. But are you ready for question two? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, with what you know now, what is one tip you would give your younger self when you're just starting in IT? Okay, what? So, <laughs> I did not prepare for this, but I want to see if I. My daughter asked me a series of sixteen questions in January for school, and I want to see if I actually answered that. Look at that! He's the first ever uh, test case for it, and he's already got pre-written answers. That is D R Y. Don't repeat yourself. He's too efficient for us. <laughs> uh, describe some personal attributes. Mine's easy. Uh, don't waste a decade doing nothing, you idiot. That's what I tell myself. Actually, I don't. I don't have it here, but it's the it's the advice that I would give to to someone recently, and one of the discords I met in uh, lamented that they were they were twenty one and they felt like they'd spent three years doing nothing but playing games, and the advice I had for them is the advice that I would have given my younger self as well is that, um, and the most important advice I think is, uh, there, 
you should never compare yourself to anyone else. There's only one person in the entire world that you should compare yourself to, uh, and that is your past self. Um, everyone has their own journey that they've been on. And for you to compare yourself to that other person is unfair to both you and to them because um, you you may think that they're doing great and um, wow, I wish I could do that. But also you have no idea um, what it, what it may have taken to, for them to get there and, um, and, or what, like what luck or an opportunity has come along the way for them. Um, the only person, you know, is your past self. And even then be gentle because, um, our past selves are to put it bluntly, often idiots. And <laughs> at least, at least to present, like, present self's opinion because past me was a lot cooler than than current me but he was a lot dumber too <laughs> exactly awesome that's some good advice it's definitely useful to not compare yourself to others um <laughs> such uh, an inefficient use of time because it just leads to so many not productive things and you don't have the evidence to come to those conclusions about people um yeah i wish that's one lesson I wish I would have known back in the day too. I did eventually learn it, but a little bit more pain than was needed if I would have learned it sooner. Um, but we have one final question here. Are you ready, Corey Knox? And this question is really up for debate. If you have suggestions, I'll make a different question. Yeah, we, you we, want. Don't, we don't love this question. If you have, if you have a better question, tweet it at us, and we'll, we'll we'll replace it. We don't. This one. I apologize for the question before he even asks it. Well, it came from my mind and I thought it was okay, but here we go. <laughs> this is the one that the other were Drew's. This one's all me. So brought, brought shame okay. upon our house. <laughs> so this is a two-parter, Corey, I guess. Maybe a one-parter split two ways. But what is your favorite module right now? And then also what was your favorite module two to three years ago? Uh, <laughs> we should send these to people beforehand. That would, you, you know, tough. that that would be handy. Um, <laughs> let me just uh, let me see what. Oh, I just did get module list available, which might have been a bad idea <laughs> or a good idea to see that I have like seven of one module because why not? Well, okay, posh get would be my favorite. Right now, I think, um, and it's it's not even that it is super complex or anything. It's just the the information that it gives me at my fingertips. As far as two to three years ago, I don't know that I can. Well, maybe let me let me flip that around. Say two to three years ago was Poshkit, because maybe it was, uh, and PS Readline would be the. Uh, in particular, as as someone has mentioned at some point in the past, the new prediction sources and stuff. I, I have no idea where it came from, but if you find out who's been who's been saying that you should be using PS Readline with the with the predictions, you should really have them on the show. I, I know two fun young lads who uh, have healthily shilled for PS Readline for a while now. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research and see if we can find out who that may have been. Yeah, 
Yeah. And and when we're done here, I'm going to go figure out what this string module that I have is called or is because it's just called string and it has add string and get substring. And I don't know where I got it from, but it looks interesting. So look at that. We're, uh, we're, 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 we're helping with self-improvement. Maybe, maybe the question is the right question, but we'll find out via Twitter. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thank you for uh, letting us spring those questions on you. Uh, thank you. I, I, th- I think, me. I think, I think, Andrew's right that maybe in the future we'll send the three questions beforehand just because a lot of those require a lot of uh, digging into the past. Let's just <laughs> yeah. say I'm glad you didn't ask me those same questions. I'm glad we uh, credited Drew. So if it's really hated, we, we yeah. all know yeah. we're at a point of finger. <laughs> Except the last one because... <laughs> <laughs> What's, yeah, that, that's all mean but 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 i mean like because it i mean the um yeah the last time or i i can hardly remember two hours ago let alone two to three years ago like i'm with you there i need to write down my good stories so that i i like have them accessible because a lot of times i'll have to be like talking about an old job and then i'll be like oh my gosh that's right there were so many wild things that happened there. I need to live yeah. my life in such a way that I can get some good stories. Oh, we have a few. <laughs> I won't share them here. Right, but, but now it's time for the the absolute. This is Andrew's time to shine. He's going to bring his professionalism, his expertise, his years of knowledge and practice. And he's going to bring the shill that everyone that loves shills has been waiting for. The thrill of the shill is here, friends. Um, Thank you so much for listening and being part of this awesome community um, and checking out our podcast and giving us good feedback on it. Really appreciate that. If you could leave us a like on YouTube, hit the subscribe button if you'd like. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can hit us up on Twitter at PowerShellPod or email us at PowerShell at PDQ.com. Is there something that you are struggling with or would like covered on the podcast? feel free to let us know. And again, thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. I think we're on like, I don't know how many podcasts, 20 something. So. It's 27. It's just 27. It's been, oh, it's fun. Oh yeah, it does. So yeah, 27. Wow. <laughs> Happy Monday if you're listening on Monday. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plough. They are cunning, capable, agile, flexible. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com.